Welcome everybody to another episode of Counting on Chazen. We're really excited today because we're going to be talking about one of these mysterious things, cryptocurrency. And we have found the expert from Chazen and Company to come <laughs> on, share with us what we should be thinking about, what we should be doing. Hey, welcome back, Jackie McLaughlin. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And we're talking about one of my favorite subjects today. Well, I'm glad it's your favorite subject because it's not my favorite subject. You know, I, um, I'm confounded by this. I'm intrigued by this. Um, I don't know. There, there's so much I don't know about it. And so this is why I'm really excited to have you join us on this journey, if you will. And I've got to say, it is a changing journey. It's a maybe more of a little bit of a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. So um, it's kind of an interesting topic for so many of us. So I've got to say, let's dig in. And mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you to give us a little bit of a primer. And let's start with blockchain. That's part of the mystery of cryptocurrency, it, isn't it? it? It is part of the mystery. And what I love about blockchain is that people get obsessed and kind of bogged down in blockchain and nobody really needs to do that. So blockchain is the virtual ledger that crypto is recorded on. Unless you want to mine for crypto or hack crypto, you really don't need to know about blockchain. The same way when I boot up my computer every day, I don't know how Microsoft Windows works or how the Apple operating system works. I don't know. It just works. <laughs> you know, that's fascinating. Um, and I, I think you're giving us permission to think about other things um, in crypto. So I think that's, that's an interesting place to start. And before we move on too much further, this virtual ledger that you talk about, um, and and this is something that we're seeing as we, you know, in the news, um, cryptocurrency like stocks and bonds or real estate, other assets that donors come forth with, artwork, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. there are fluctuations in the marketplace. Is this ledger, is that where that's being tracked? Yes. Okay. So you can almost think about in simplified terms, you can almost think about that ledger as your bank account, except it's not really a bank account because there's no physical currency like there is with dollars and cents, but it acts that way. You can accept it. You can pay for things with it. You can invest it. It acts the same way as money, but there's nothing physical. Interesting. Okay. So that kind of makes more sense and, and that we have this this currency, this valuation as it stands, and it's changing just like other assets that are going to come into our organizations. They mm -hmm. are changing. Mm -hmm. I got to ask you if you could talk about using a wallet system, which we keep hearing about mm -hmm. that donors, like how are they, how are they administrating on their side, these donations so that, so that we as nonprofits can help you know, steward that donor relationship and that actual transaction. 
Yeah. So before we get to that part, okay. the first thing I like to do is dispel fears about cryptocurrency. Okay. Because especially in this marketplace, people are so afraid of it because it's incredibly volatile. And I don't disagree, obviously, with any of that. A fact is a fact. But if you're a nonprofit, you're looking at taking cryptocurrency. You're not, not, you're not necessarily looking at dealing in cryptocurrency, investing in cryptocurrency. You're just looking at accepting it as a donation. And so here's my philosophy on it. If cryptocurrency gets donated to you when the market value is $60,000 for one Bitcoin, even if by the time you get that and cash it out, it falls to a dollar, which is unlikely, you still have a dollar today that you didn't have yesterday. So those market fluctuations aren't something that um, a nonprofit needs to deal with because anything they get out of crypto is going to be more than they had. The other thing that makes it really attractive for nonprofits to start taking crypto is in 2021, 21 million people had cryptocurrency and that number is expected to double in 2022. So you're looking at an exponential increase of crypto holders and it's to the donor's benefit to donate in crypto. So let's say that you got in Bitcoin when it was, I don't know, $5,000, I'm making it up. And you cashed out when, or you wanted to cash out when it hit $60,000. So you would have made $55,000 per coin. If you cash it out, it becomes subject to capital gains. If you donate it, you, without cashing it, you donate the crypto to a nonprofit. You not only avoid the gains, but in all likelihood, you're going to get a tax deduction for the fair market value of that crypto on the data donation. Okay. So if you have a lot of, and, and you do, crypto millionaires, you know, somebody may have $40 million in crypto and want to donate $10 million of it just to get the tax break in doing that. So let me take a little bit of a, a journey. I mean, crypto is a roller coaster. So my questions are going to be roller coasters. Yep. I'm thinking about um, a philanthropy officer's portfolio of their donors. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask you this question. And I don't know if you can answer it, but I'm wondering if we're talking about new donors, that this isn't necessarily going to be the profile in most developer development officers portfolio that these might be younger these might be tech oriented these might be people that are living in tech communities and not necessarily even maybe our own community can you give me some feedback on that excellent point because the demographics of crypto holders are typically in their 30s 40s age range so for an advancement officer, at least the advancement officers I've seen, they are usually going back to the same handful of donors over and over again. And those donors are aging and their challenge is to attract younger donors. And by accepting crypto, you can attract those younger donors. There are two methods of accepting crypto. And to your point, the second method would allow a donor in California to contribute to a nonprofit in Virginia, if that's what they wanted to do. Right, right. So the second method 
is, which I think is the less risky for a nonprofit, is to um, engage a crypto payment processor. And that payment processor, it's much like a credit card transaction. So that payment processor will work with your web developer to put a donate and crypto now button on your website. Your donor goes, presses that button. I want to donate a million dollars in crypto, whatever the number is. It goes through the payment processor, just like a credit card would. And the payment processor liquidates the crypto and then um, transfers it to the bank account of the nonprofit organization. That's the easiest, less risky way. And it allows you to take crypto from anywhere in the world. Now, the other method is that wallet method that you were bringing up. And again, the nature of crypto is that you can send it anywhere in the world and you can send it in lightning speed much quicker than a bank transfer. So a nonprofit could um, set up their crypto wallet and you can literally think of this like the wallet in your pocket mm -hmm. that it's set up to accept crypto, to hold crypto if you want to, and then to distribute or liquidate crypto or pay for something in crypto. So it acts exactly like the wallet in your pocket and that's a riskier route to go. If nonprofits go in that direction, they need much stronger internal controls around accepting, holding, liquidating crypto. You know, that's fascinating. The way you phrased that with that wallet and that concept, I get it. It's holding it. it it's, it's, it's holding it for whether it's holding it for one day, one month, one year, whatever. So I, I appreciate you giving us that lens so that we can see it um, and see that the performance of this asset as it comes to us. Now I want to drill down a bit because along with that, um, we're thinking about gift policies, which we all should have. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these gift policies cover many, many different things and they change. How should we be, should we be taking this concept of accepting cryptocurrency and putting it into a gift policy? I mean, is that appropriate? Absolutely appropriate, especially because of the numbers I just quoted that between 21 and 22, crypto holders are expected to double. Not only that, but there are some foundations out there who will give gifts in crypto. And given that not a whole lot of profit, nonprofits have the ability to take crypto, if your nonprofit does, it's going to put you ahead of the pack with some of these foundations who are giving out gifts in crypto. So there's no downside to it. And yes, crypto should be written into your gift acceptance policy if you elect to take crypto. Absolutely. Um, in addition to that, maybe you want to put minimums, as some people do on their gift acceptance policies. That's up to each individual organization. But yes, it should be written in. So not only is it, is it a gift acceptance but it's mm -hmm. actually, are you, are you telling us that it should be gift management? So that, that mm -hmm. concept of is, does it go into a wallet or does it go through a processor or do we drill down that far within that policy? So, yes. And so okay. the way I like to, to think about this is if you get a crypto wallet, 
it functions the same exact way as if you take stock donations. Okay. So if you take stock donations, you probably have a policy in place to liquidate your stock donations within 24 hours, whatever your policy is. Um, if you don't have a policy to liquidate your stock donations, you probably have an investment policy that your stocks should be invested in various different types of investments. So a, with a crypto wallet, you would have to do kind of similar because it acts in the same way that it's it's not coming into your um, stock donation like a Merrill Lynch account. It's not going in there but it's going into something analogous. So are you going to hold it? Are you going to keep it? I mean, it's not, you don't necessarily have to make the same decisions that you do when you have choices between fixed income and growth because crypto is crypto, are you gonna, but are you gonna hold it? Are you gonna cash it out? Are you gonna exchange it in for a different type of crypto because suddenly you like Dogecoin better than you like Bitcoin or, or whatever, whatever the decision may be. It takes a lot of sophistication to manage crypto, especially lately. I mean, it's volatile anytime, but it's been very, very volatile lately. So unless a nonprofit has some resources on staff that are pretty sophisticated in this regard, the safer way is to accept it the same way you'd accept a credit card donation or a donation made with a credit card. You know, it's a fascinating secondary level conversation. We, we've moved from the concept of this currency, then we've drilled down to how we accept it. Now we're talking about managing it. And mm -hmm. I think what you've pointed out, which is fascinating to me, is that there's a pretty big difference between accepting and managing it. And it sounds to me like that's where you're you're kind of advising us today um, on Counting on Chasen to really be thinking about that. Because I don't know how many organizations, Jackie, it's hard enough taking other assets from the Velvet Elvis painting to, you know, attractive land. I mean, these are not easy things for us to deal with. No. And to add that to that, I know financial planners who don't completely understand crypto. So when a lot of the professionals don't totally understand it, it would be very risky for a nonprofit to accept it and hold it and manage it themselves. It's much better for them to just liquidate it upon receipt, much like most of them do with stock donations. And if you do hold it, if you do have the wallet, then there's a whole slew of internal controls that come into play. Who's authorized to set up a crypto wallet? Who's authorized to access the crypto wallet? Where are you going to keep your crypto key? Are you going to have a hard copy key? Are you going to have an electronic key? Who can get to the key? What happens if the person with the key quits and nobody else has the key and you can't access your crypto wallet? So... <laughs> There are a lot of obstacles to getting that crypto wallet. It's also tougher to set up than a crypto processor. You know, Jackie, what do you think the reality is of, um, of a nonprofit? And I'm just going to say a typical nonprofit 
what do you think the reality of this is? I mean, of, of, of encountering this. I mean, is this something that we should be moving to the front of our policies and our understanding and getting our, our finance committees and our boards to understand this? Um, are we like at the beginning of it? Or I mean, what's your, what is your sense of this trajectory? Because this is a heavy lift. I'm not going to lie. I think it's a heavy lift for a lot of organizations. My sense is never put obstacles between you and people who want to give you money. So, so if somebody wants to give you crypto, you know, <laughs> going to a payment processor is not as heavy of a lift as okay. having a wallet. Okay. So you just go to the payment processor, sign up for an account, put a button on your website and let people give you crypto if they want to give you crypto. <laughs> I love it. And I guess what I'm hearing you say, the key to the success of this is in and out. Yes. It's just like if you would another asset that comes in, you move through it. Yeah. And because there's the other thing that nonprofits would be facing if they keep it. It becomes an intangible asset, much like a patent or a copyright. And this is accounting, accounting geek stuff, mm -hmm. but it becomes an intangible asset, which means you have to analyze that asset periodically, especially in this market for impairment, meaning has it lost value? And every time it loses value, you have to take a hit to your statement of activities and record this impairment loss, as we call it. So a lot of nonprofits that I've seen, particularly those with June 30 year ends, they were living the high life last June because their investments had exploded in value and it made their um, surpluses look really, really good because of this explosion in value. And by the way, now, now they're kind of getting the reverse with what's going on in the market today. But given that, that crypto is extremely more volatile than even the market, if these organizations hold crypto and they are constantly having to evaluate this asset for impairment, wow. then they might be continuously taking more hits to their statement of activities than they even realized. You know, and again, I, I get your get your big mitt up because I'm gonna throw you another curveball. <laughs> do you ever see or do you think that um, donors are going to say you need to hold this or be involved in that that evaluation process? Or that I mean, I know that this is a big issue with donors who feel more often than not that their asset that they bequeath or they, they donate while they're alive has more value than it does, especially when we look at art, we look at, you know, different types of portfolios. Um, is that another reason to, why we want to have that gift policy so that we really get that arm's length transaction or what's the sensibility of that? Well, so a couple things. One, as, as we know, donors can ask that their money go anywhere and do anything. Yeah. So they certainly have that option. They have no incentive though, to say to a nonprofit, hey, I'm giving you a million dollars in crypto and I want you to hold it in crypto. They don't really have an incentive to do that. They want the big write-off of donating the crypto and getting them in this case, the million dollar write-off on their tax return for a charitable contribution. 
that's what they're looking for. So sure, they could say, hold this crypto. Sure, they could. What's their incentive? Now, as with any donation, they could, of course, say, hey, I'm giving you a million dollars in crypto and I want you to build a baseball field at the Boys and Girls Club with this. Right. They can absolutely do that. But they do that anyway when they give they give stocks. Now, they are subject also because crypto is viewed as an intangible asset and so they, the donor is required to have an appraisal on their end when they're donating more than $5,000 in crypto. That burden is not on the nonprofit, but it is on the advancement people to educate the donor and say, thank you so much. We'd love to take your crypto. Just know you have to have an appraised value of this crypto and put the burden back on the donor. Right. Typically, that, that's easy. The appraised value is the market value on that day. I was just going to say at that day with which that transaction is navigated. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Really, really interesting. Um, again, keep that baseball mitt up. Another curveball coming at you, sister. What do you think the probability of this is? I mean, I know that in the nonprofit sector, um, with with uh, the philanthropy divisions, we say, you know, there should be no more than 30% of our revenue coming in from grants and that 80% should be individual donors and less than 5% is probably going to be corporate, things of that nature. Do you have a sense of where cryptocurrency might lie within that, that, that structure? I mean, are, should we expect, okay, maybe 1%? of our revenues coming in from this or do you have any sense of this no it's anybody's guess having because i haven't seen a nonprofit get any that said most don't accept it and that's why i'm excited about this subject most don't accept it because most people are so afraid of it and that fear is warranted if you're going to buy it sell it keep it trade it any of those things, of course, you need to be a sophisticated, educated investor. But if you're just a nonprofit taking it, there should be no fear. Yeah. And I think until non more and more nonprofits start taking crypto, we're not going to be able to get our arms around what percentage of people will be donating crypto. I mean, it's almost like the um, electric car analogy until we start getting the infrastructure to support electric cars, meaning places to charge them, mm -hmm. we don't know how many people will really be driving electric cars. Right. And it also makes me think that you might, if you get in early on understanding the process and getting that gift policy, um, understanding the management of crypto, that mm -hmm. you might have an advantage with within the marketplace with those people that don't take it. Absolutely, you know. especially with these foundations who are now giving out only crypto grants, and there's not a lot of organizations set up to accept crypto. So it pays to be um, a thought leader in this regard and to seriously look into setting up a process that enables you to take cryptocurrency. Wow. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. 
Amazing. You know, Jackie, I always love talking with you because you boil it down to the non-accountant. Um, <laughs> you build a lot of confidence with with measured reason, as I would like to say, uh, so that we can understand it and feel more in control. Um, but this is the deal. The future of cryptocurrency is being written and it's yes. changing. Mm -hmm. um, I would advise anyone that's joined us today on Counting on uh, Chasen to make sure that you check back in to the Chasen and Company website. There's amazing um, information that gets filtered through that that's very current and uh, an amazing blog that your organization runs. So as things change, you really um, are giving clients and, and uh, visitors to the website a, like a lot of information because this is a changing story. It is a changing story. And, you know, that's the gift and the curse of it. So right now, <laughs> this is the way it is, now, yeah. you know, a year from now. And we know that regulators are looking at this more closely for no other reason, except if you think about it on an individual tax return, the 1040s we all file, they ask us now, did you have any transactions in cryptocurrency? And they're not asking it to track whether you had gains or losses. I mean, yes, they are doing that somewhere else, but they just have a question. Are you, have you traded in cryptocurrency? And so, for example, I know people who bought crypto, they didn't sell it. So there's nothing to report to the IRS, but they still had to say, yes, I am dealing in crypto. And it's my belief that the IRS is doing this is a way to get their arms around how prevalent crypto is really becoming. Sure. And I think to your point, that's got to be something that we're looking at in the nonprofit sector, because we are mm -hmm. dealing with donors that it used to be you wrote the check, right? And now mm -hmm. that's just not the case. You're doing all different manner of things um, with estate planning, with the changes of how Americans are gaining fortunes or losing fortunes, if you will. I mean, mm -hmm. it's really a, a fascinating, fascinating topic. You know, Jackie, like I said, I always learn so much from you. Jackie McLaughlin, CF, a CPA, Client service Services Manager. Wow, that's not easy, not easy to get out today. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of words. <laughs> it is for Jason um, and company. Wow, you are a treasure and you've really um, opened the door to my mind on this whole concept. Um, so we'll be checking back in with you because I know, like we said, you know, this is a changing topic and uh, mm -hmm. one that we need to embrace, educate ourselves for the betterment of our nonprofits. Yes, absolutely. It's amazing. It's just been amazing. Well, counting on Chasen, we have a lot of topics that we cover. We have wonderful, wonderful source experts like Jackie McLaughlin that come to us from Chasen and Company to really drill down into some of these mysteries or questions that we might have as we're trying to steward our nonprofits and achieve our mission, vision, and values. It's not easy, but Chasen and Company is here to help us guide through this process. Cryptocurrency is just one of those topics. Jackie, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.